0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there, my name is Sam Maxwell and you are here with the Bedford & Sullivan Podcast. Today on this podcast I just felt like getting together uh, a very, very uh, through and through Brooklynite and that is the Brooklyn trolley bro, uh, blogger Mike LeColant and he is joined, uh, joining me from uh, Bensonhurst while I am up on a rooftop in Flatbush. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for inviting me on uh the Bedford and Sullivan podcast.
0: Glad to be here. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. You know, and there's never anybody better really to talk about Brooklyn with. Uh, especially from where, you know, the corner that I am. I know, you know, you know a lot about the entire town. You know, I I like to call it the city of Brooklyn. I think that as Brooklynites now I'm I'm kind of a I've adopted it, although my mom's from here in Sheepshead Bay. Um You know, so I I do have legacy, but, you know, I I wasn't born here. I I didn't grow up here, Uh, but I've really taken to the place. Now, you know, when it it comes to that, I think as a collective, we can really think about it as a city because that's really what it is, even if it's unfortunately developed in the 20th century under the auspices of New York City.
1: Yeah, well, blame the water system. Uh, Because of it, you know, we had to... Uh, bring the boroughs together under one, I guess, umbrella because of, uh, you know, city services. But come on, man, we're 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 a borough of two point five, two point seven million. We have the tax base here to support any and all needs, you know, that might come across our table. So, you know, you know, you know what the rest of the city can
0: do. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been Brooklyn's mantra since the mistake of ninety eight and. Where I'm standing, I mean, that's
1: just the way it is here, man. You know, when you're from here, when you're raised here, you don't necessarily have to be born here, but when you're raised here and you spend a lot of time, especially when you're raised as a child, you know, it's different when you come here as an adolescent or even as an adult. But when you when you're raised here from childhood, uh, the vernacular sets in. You refer to Manhattan as the city, you know. Uh, There's Brooklyn, there's the city, and then there's any and everywhere else, you know, and uh, for all intents and purposes, we have no use for the city. You know, we we look at having to travel in there as a burden, as a drag, unless you're going out for, you know, a party night or for an event or for an occasion, you know, just having to get in there, get in and out, man, you can save it. We have everything we want and everything
0: we need right here right here in Brooklyn, and I am currently right off of 18th Street and Church Avenue, and basically on the roof uh, from all directions. First, let's go, I guess, towards the uh, southwest, and you see the Verrazano Bridge off in Bay Ridge. Then I look off to Manhattan that you were just speaking of, and you see basically the symbol of what Manhattan has become over the course of the ages, and and that's the Freedom Tower, and and that's just you know,
1: yeah. Going, say, say going, 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 going for know. the
0: going for the heavens, you know, reaching for the heavens.
1: Say happy birthday to the Arizona, by the way, it's fifty years old today. Not today, but you know, this year, or I, I should have said oh, last great. year. A, a belated happy birthday.
0: Happy, and, I, well, it say- it
1: for, I, I think it opened for business in '64, so.
0: What's a good what's a good segue with that is that you know that's that's a Robert Moses thing, and Robert Moses has everything to do with the history of Brooklyn as as any person. Man,
1: his footprint on the city is like
0: uh, dog
1: do on a white rug, you know.
0: <laughs> so what so, so you, what do you think about the Verrazano And I mean, it's still, you think that it was uh, a needed, uh, you know? Uh, and yeah, that's-
1: that that. A- that particular uh, bridge, yeah, it was definitely needed. I mean, there was no way uh, for, uh, you know, Staten Islanders to connect really with the city other than going through New Jersey and then Manhattan. And if you wanted to come to Queens and Brooklyn, forget it. It wasn't happening. Right. Uh, you know, but before that, but if you talk to a Staten Islander, uh, a older Staten Islander, an older Staten Islander, when that place uh, still had, you know, 60, 70, maybe 80,000 people on it, and most of that place was farmland, they saw the dramatic change once that bridge was built. And now I think they have upwards of, what, 700,000 people in the borough now. So, you know, the bridge changed a lot for them. Uh, Certainly changed a lot for traffic here in Brooklyn.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of people at the time when the bridge opened decided to go to Staten Island from Brooklyn.
1: Well, yeah, you know, it opened up. So, uh, you know, I, I always say when you see neighborhoods change, they can't change unless people move out. So, you know, vast swaths opened up in Staten Island and a lot of Brooklyners, Brooklynites moved out there and opened up for the next wave of, uh, you know, incomers.
0: Now, uh, you know, where I am, it's near Prospect Park and in, in the Southwest area of Prospect Park. And, uh, there's also the parade grounds, and there's a lot of baseball fields at parade grounds. There's a huge history of baseball at the parade grounds, and I know you know a lot about the parade grounds, Mike.
1: Well, you know, I don't know if I know a lot, but, you know, as a Brooklyn you learned things, and uh, I played a game or two uh, on those fields in my day, on the parade grounds. Uh, most recently, I guess, and most famously... The uh the Brooklyn Cyclones before they finished up MCU Park needed a place to play. The Mets had already purchased them a year prior to their two thousand and one season in Coney Island and they played that season in the parade grounds. They uh really? modified the field. I I don't know yeah, if they I knew might... that. Uh yeah, for that first for that first season, uh it might have even been two seasons, you no, know, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh at least in like two thousand they played as the kings, queens, or the queens, huh. kings. Right. Uh, and, they played, and they played in the parade grounds, and uh, half of the park was converted into a parking lot. And upon their exit and entry into Coney Island, you know, the uh, the Mets agreed uh, to reconvert the uh, the area, the parkland, into uh, you know. Uh, uh, well, its original intention, you know. Right. So it, it was. It was by necessity. It might have been a little inconvenient for the park itself, but I think everything worked out. You know, you got some beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautiful parks there now. Uh, I, I remember it had gone somewhat neglect, not somewhat, uh, largely neglected for a while back in the seventies. But like everything in the seventies, seventies a hard time for the city economically. And mm-hmm. uh the parks department like anybody else, you know, they suffer. But uh it's a good place to take in a game, it's a good place to play a game and uh yeah it's got a lot of history as you said.
0: Now on Ken Burns tenth inning they talked about uh some of the semi pro players. Um you see a lot of a lot of basically has been prospects playing in uh, Prospect Park and of course uh, in the Bronx. Uh
1: yes. Uh, especially in the Bronx and, and in Long Island. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 local semi-pro circuits, uh, you know, from anywhere from like 18 to 35-year-olds, you usually see out there, uh, they're no joke. My cousin plays for one, or played, I should say. He's a little old like me now. But he played for one of those teams. And, uh, yeah, they came around to the parade grounds. They played games here too, man. And uh, those guys were no joke. You know, they can bring it. You know, uh, for for a bunch of amateurs and 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 weekend warriors, and and for a bunch of common men, you know, they they brought it, bro. That's for sure.
0: That's for sure. And, and so, another thing that I wanted to talk about in this neighborhood is is uh, just a few spots that I've noticed uh, over the time that I, I've uh, my friend has lived here, and I've explored the area and. and I hadn't been down this way before. I, I had moved uh, in two thousand eight to basically right off of um uh at Rogers Avenue and uh, Eastern Parkway. And that was right around the corner, a block away and four blocks down Bedford Avenue from Ebbets Field. Right. And and right. I hadn't gotten all the way down this way. Um and there's well, there's this there's this Dutch church off of, uh, I think it's Ocean exactly. Avenue. Right, yeah. right. That's from, does, that's, does that's 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 that's
1: from the 1600s. Form? That's Reformed Church. It's one of, four, exactly. one of four left in the borough.
0: Right. And, and, and it's completely intact, and you can tell it's, it's from the 1600s, and it's unbelievable. And you, I can see the tip of the spire. Something is blocking it from the place that I am standing right now, but you just see the tip of the spire, and that is how... How big it is? Because I, I I'm I'm on basically the fifth floor, being on the roof of this place. Uh, I I've
1: been in I haven't been in the church, but I've been in the graveyard, the adjoining graveyard, hmm. and uh, some of those stones, headstones, are so old, uh, eroded that you know you can't read some of the characters on it. But uh, a lot of those stones, date back to uh, early 1700s. I'm I'm certain. There's even
0: stones there from the late 1600s. So this is an amazing place, and that's where Brooklyn gets its name from the city yeah. of Brooklyn in, um, uh, Holland, Holland, right? <laughs> Bruecklein,
1: yeah,
0: Holland, the Netherlands.
1: Uh, correct, the Netherlands, Bruecklein. Yeah, a lot of names here uh, throughout the city,
0: but you know, here in, in Brooklyn. Well, I'm guessing New ultra How do how do you, how do you... How do you pronounce it? New old, New old. how do you pronounce it? New Ultric. Old I, yeah, I new, I'm new seeing Utrecht? the word in front of me. What's it what is it?
1: New Utrecht?
0: Yes. Yeah, Utrecht. U E, right? That that must be Dutch.
1: Yes, New Utrecht, Utrecht is definitely Dutch, yeah. Uh, I mean uh you know, when you wanna think of these things <laughs> they <laughs> scare me, but like Wyckoff... And uh, uh, Stuyvesant, you know, even Staten, as in Staten Island, those are all Dutch names. And Brooklyn, that's, mm-hmm. that's a Dutch name. Harlem is a Dutch name, you know?
0: You know, what's really interesting about about my own city dynamic is that I've lived in four you know, boroughs. Which one? Even Bronx is Dutch. Yes, the Bronx family. Exactly. That that was the Bronx land. That was the Bronx land. Plural. Yes, sir. So so I was saying that um, I've lived in four boroughs but Staten Island. I was born in Richmond, Virginia, and the only place that I haven't lived here is the county of Richmond, which is... You
1: know, uh, you know what? Look at that. I, I can say the same. I've lived in four of the five boroughs.
0: Nice, but Staten
1: Island. I, minus Staten Island, at one time or another, I shared an apartment for a brief time in the Bronx with my sister. I'm
0: Otherwise, thinking that I could maybe. I'm thinking that I could maybe live there for like six months and say I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I did I don't live know. We'll in see.
1: Queens, and I I did live in Queens, and I did live in Manhattan, and uh, but for the most most of my life I've been right here in Brooklyn.
0: And right here in Brooklyn is where you shall stay. And uh, we're going to go to Prospect Park now. Now, I- I've discovered some really cool places recently. But before I-, I mentioned some of those, I was just curious. What are some of your favorite places in Prospect Park? Uh, you, know, you got the lake,
1: you know, and, and the horse path. I mean, if you ever get a chance, take some time. If you know how to, if you know how to mount one and get around. Go horseback through Prospect Park, man. The trail is nice. Yeah. You know, but uh, if you follow around the lake and, you know, you get off the beaten the beaten track, man, you can really lose yourself and forget that you're inside of, uh, an urban jungle, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Uh, Today and,
1: the I... and the zoo. Which one? I, mean, I, I the zoo. The, the zoo can't go underspoken. I love the Prospect Park Zoo, you know, and a nice mm-hmm. walk through the park will get you there.
0: You know, I have yet to go into the Prospect Park Zoo. I've been to the Central Park Zoo, but obviously the Central Park gets more attention. Prospect Park is actually liked more by the designers who designed both Prospect Park and Central Park.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, I have recently discovered in the southwest corner of Prospect Park um, the Lookout Hill. And it's it's this unbelievable... You know, even though you have to look through the trees, and I'm sure during the summer... It's even kind of worse, but you know you, you you see this just unbelievable view of of the surrounding area of Brooklyn. Have you been up to Lookout Hill?
1: Uh, no, not there, but I have been to the, uh, I guess I should say the the uppermost point of uh, of uh, Greenwood Cemetery, which if i'm not mistaken is the highest point in
0: brooklyn hmm okay interesting uh it's right i didn't you know,
1: it's right more or less where uh charles Ebbets is is, is buried that's right
0: what exactly did you, what and did
1: you know he, what did you know he would get the highest point in brooklyn
0: it would make sense now I think that Steve McKeever, who was another owner who actually had to bail out Charlie Abbott's while he was building Abbott's Field, I believe Steve McKeever is buried in Holy Cross Cemetery. Now, correct me if I'm that wrong, is if you know anything about that.
1: Yes. He shares real estate with uh, Gil Hodges over there. You're, you're correct.
0: Now, um,. Gil Hodges is always just is such an interesting character to talk about in, in the history of Dodger lore, and you know you've obviously studied all that. You know you're 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 a, a you love talking about the the history of the game. You, you obviously do post on Rising Apple, uh, talking about the 1880s and those those teams. And um, what are some of your favorite Gil Hodges moments that you've uh, you've heard about over the years? Uh. How
1: about my first, my first ever Gil Hodges moment? Uh, uh, for whatever reason, I was home, and uh, we were on the block, and a bunch of people, it, it, I lived on a dead-end block at the time, uh, not too far away from where you are. It was around the East 45th from Snyder Avenue. Uh, right by the cemetery, as a matter of fact. So, any, anyway, let me get back to the story. Uh, a bunch of people started walking up to the corner. Uh you know, parents, whatever kids were around, literally everybody. And we got up to the corner and we just waited. And, you know, and I'm real young at this point. I'm only, uh, I'm only five. You know, or, or something to that effect. And I'm looking around and, uh... The the older people that some of them were crying and and nobody's really saying anything. It was real quiet and you know people started assembling on the other side of the block as well and uh, a motorcade passed by and it happened to be Gil Hodges's motorcade as they were headed towards uh, the cemetery and it was it was the elders on the block you know my neighbors and friends and the parents and. Uh, the adolescence and whatnot that explained to me, you know, who it was that just drove by, and the Mets were something to me at that point. But you know, obviously, at that young of age, I you, you're not able to put the pieces quite, you know, together as, as you would as a as perhaps an older child would. But uh, that was my first experience, and they were the ones who explained to me what happened that day, and uh, that, you know, he passed away after a massive heart attack, man. And uh, lo and behold, I I lived, you know, like I said, on the dead-end block of the cemetery on East 45th. So uh, ever since I was a wee child, it's like he's been right there. Uh, I don't want to sound morbid, but you know he's been like right there, close to me. And mm-hmm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. as
1: a Met fan, you take that forward and you carry that with you. And especially as a a Brooklynite, so when you put the Brooklynite thing together and you put the Met thing together, I mean, gee, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I always say a trip down a trip down Bedford Avenue from wherever you might be headed towards Sheepshead Bay to go get some rolling and you're traveling down Gil Hodges Way, you know. <laughs> When, when I was a young teenager, uh, at the in the neighborhood I lived at at the time on Ralph Avenue was Gil Hodges' Lanes, and as you walked in the main door towards the left, there was a display case uh, with some of his plaques, and it had one of his gold gloves in there. Uh, so at a very early age, and it continued uh, through those young teen years and through the adolescence. That you know, and it wasn't always so. It was, at first, it was the Marine Park. Uh, Marine Parkway Bridge, and they got around to renaming that the uh, Gil Hodges Memorial uh, Bridge at some... As, I forgot exactly when they did it, but they did it nonetheless. So, so there's been no escape from Gil Hodges
0: if you're a Brooklyn I right? Status for sure. And it's just unfortunate that he he just hasn't gotten the Hall of Fame recognition, and the, the recent one was probably the the biggest blow.
1: It it's it's ponderous. You know I love to use that word. It's ponderous. it's mm-hmm. I I I to nothing but you know animosity, uh, you know, uh, interpersonal relationships that probably soured through the I don't know, I'm just grasping at straws, but if they're taking his 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 body of work at face value, <laughs> And, and still not getting it, well, then there's clearly something wrong. Clearly.
0: It's it, it just, I, I guess the next time the veterans, uh, obviously not next year, but, I mean, is Gil Hodges going to get another chance, do you think?
1: I don't know. Uh, you know, look, they've changed the rules at least two or three times through the years as far as the Veterans Committee and, you know, so who's to say they won't change it again? Uh, do I think there's a chance for them to revisit the situation? I do think so. Within another, I think at the current rules state that they're going to revisit this veteran
0: list every four years or so. I could be very wrong about that, though. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think the whole thing needs to get reworked, but you know, that's just um that that that's a whole other podcast. Basically some, some it's mics. Incredible. you know, we're, we're in, go, no, go for it. No, 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 no. I was going to say that we're in the last uh, 10 minutes and um, I was going to ask you, you know, when you were thinking about Brooklyn, you know, we're just coming on here spontaneously talking about this place. What's some of the things that you want to talk about right off the top of your head?
1: Uh, How about the new head coach of St. John's university men's basketball, Chris Mullen, a Brooklyn guy. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to say that I knew him, but at the time when you grew up in the neighborhood that I was growing up in, which was, uh, around, you know, Avenue M, Avenue N in the fifties, uh, he was on the other side of Utica. Uh, but everyone knew somebody, you know what I mean? Mm You know, although I didn't know him. Uh, You know, we we were somewhat contemporary at the time, me being a little younger, him being in college, obviously. But uh, everyone knew somebody, so I knew a bunch of people who knew him. I didn't necessarily know him. And I can certainly say that there was always a basketball game going on in his backyard uh, involving him, his brothers, and a lot of the neighborhood kids and stuff like that. So I just want to put it out there, you know, that another Brooklyn boy did good.
0: Yeah, and that is that. That official, books. I saw, I saw in the uh, the papers this morning yeah, that uh, that uh, was going that was going on, and 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 I just want I just want to say that like this is such a pro town that like sometimes the the enormity of the college programs here get get enveloped by it, and obviously Saint John's is is probably the, the one that has the biggest exposure, um, but there's of course a lot a lot of colleges out there that are, that uh, that aren't half that.
1: No, you're right. But at the same time, no, this has never been a big college town. You know, I I, I think. I, I think it. I, I don't know, man. Maybe it boils down to real estate. Because we don't have these big, sprawling, you know, expansive uh, campuses like, you know, uh, I guess one of the closest ones, Syracuse, can do or within the city itself, Columbia. But, you know, you, you see the compromise that one school has to make and the other Mm -hmm. one doesn't. Uh, Maybe that that plays something into it. I I don't know. But, you know, needless... I mean, New York City used to be a big college town. You know, a lot of emphasis used to be placed on it back in the 40s and 50s. And I would even say into the 60s, but especially in the 50s. Uh, But, you're right. And I, I know, you know, on a wholly different level, the way... Uh, players used to be funneled towards St. John's, and that system is no longer in place. Those people are no longer in place. And as a result uh, of uh, uh, I guess a satisfactory replacement system or even a, p- a plan, you know, St. John's has suffered throughout the years, uh, mightily since the 80s. Since, since they were one of the big beasts of the East. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they, they were, and,
0: and now this guy, he's back, and, and hopefully oh. he can bring them back to glory days. I mean, obviously the traffic has to be good too.
1: I mean, it's it's not an ideal it's not an ideal situation for recruiting players. I mean, the lore of the city, uh, there is a history with Lou Carnesecca, whom I met twice, by the way, pretty funny, and uh, you know, so. Uh, you know, again, I just want to reiterate and emphasize Brooklyn Boy did good, man. Chris Mullin, congratulations to him and I hope uh he improves the program and gets SJU back on the map.
0: And congratulations to him. And before we finish our last five minutes of live time, before the archive uh kicks in for the last fifteen possible minutes, we'll see how we're feeling. But um <laughs> I wanted I wanted to talk a little bit about the Mets. And uh, they made a couple moves today. Now, before we get into that, other than that, since I haven't really talked about the Mets on the podcast and since I've been on my hiatus and since I've been back from my hiatus, I mean, um, you know, they are a confident bunch. And today the GMs made the moves that they probably wouldn't have made in the last few years. And especially they gave up a, a valuable outfielder.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give as much as I've been knocking Sandy Alderson with regards to the bullpen and his failure to perhaps procure one or two of them over the last two off seasons. These two moves were made, you know, boom, one, a one-two punch with conviction, and uh, you know, Brevin's actually increased his salary. This at the mm-hmm. moment puts us over a uh, hundred a hundred million. So uh yeah, kudos to Sandy Alderson, kudos to ownership for okaying the move. Uh it needed to get done. I mean that would have been a a, a fucking ooh, excuse me, that would have been a sore spot. That would have been a silly deal. I think, I think our I think
0: our demographic can take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was definitely a good move like I said, it was done with conviction. It was a nice one-two punch. It wasn't. Uh, I'm impressed because it wasn't a singular move. And now we right. might potentially go into the season with balance. Uh, you know, three lefties, three righties, and a seventh guy, you know, flip a coin. Uh, maybe even Gil Martin is. Uh, Sean Gilmartin is still in the mix. Uh, we'll see. But it, it was a good move. We'll see. Uh, you know, uh, good to see, man. I have nothing but but uh, nice things to say and think about it. And hope, hopefully it all works out. I, I mean, I've been killing them this off season.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, we're we're uh, seeing it all start to balance out. And um, I know that you've been very passionate about a lot of things on Rising Apple recently, uh, the Rising Apple podcast, that everybody out there should also be listening, especially Drew in that Um But... You you know they the Mets uh you know the reason why you just you know let out of the f bomb is because the Mets kind of incite that sometimes.
1: <laughs>
0: you know not asking not uh, asking you to go crazy right now.
1: <laughs> they said ninety seconds left. Well you know they made their bed and they're sleeping in it. So let's see how long it takes before they get out of it and make it.
0: That's uh yeah yeah you know, I I think that they're. In a good place, you know. Obviously, we've always looked at the Cardinals, and no matter how annoyed we are by them, we do appreciate that a team can be that consistent uh, from a baseball standpoint. That's a pretty impressive. And uh, I think I read something about David Wright picking their brains today. So, um, obviously, you know, hopefully, that's not just like a gimmick thing. Um, yeah,
1: and I think it had something
0: to do with traveling. To Jupiter, traveling, the, you know, on these spring training games at the end, to be together as a cohesive unit, um, you know, and I, I would agree with the Mets that that no matter how much instability they've had and how no matter how much instability they might go have go, you know, going forward with these Wolfons, um, they they might have the right thing going on. And Fred Wolfon talked to the team today and sounded like everybody responded well. Well
1: you know if if there's something to be read into spring trainings, they're having an exceptional spring the most wins in the national league, so they're doing something right uh, we were told ten seconds they're all yours,
0: Chris. so we will see everybody uh, anybody can listen to this on the archive when uh, when we are finished take care good night man so so guys we uh so so uh Mike um. Let's go back over to the Arizona Bridge. Now, you've explored uh uh Bay Ridge a lot. What are some of your favorite parts of Bay about, about Bay Ridge?
1: Uh well, if you wanna if you wanna eat, if you wanna drink, if you wanna drink and eat, Third Avenue and Fifth Avenue are the places to be. Uh if you want a nice scenic walk, you can either above ground on the promenade or you can go down by the waterside and uh take in a nice scenic view and and, and stroll you know we, we better have it that way
0: have you uh, been over to it. the park have you been over to the park at 64th street basically right at the edge of the uh, the waterfront
1: yes sir yes sir uh especially in the winter time when my son huh. was younger we used to go there with the sleds man that's a great place uh-huh. for
0: flooding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that park is great. And I I went there one day. I haven't been down there on a clear day. I went on a very foggy day in Brooklyn where the entire bay was completely covered in fog, so I only saw some like uh liners, just some, some, some big some big uh, uh ships, like, you know, just some um, you know, uh um commerce ships basically uh just sitting out there. And, and yeah. the fog, and it was it was pretty impressive. You know, I'm sure down there you get a great view of the entire bay when it's not foggy. Well, when those ships are
1: just sitting there like that, you know, that's because there's traffic ahead. They're waiting for somewhere to park, like anywhere else, man. Just like on land, they're waiting for somewhere to park and unload, and uh, there's not an available slip for them. Right, <laughs>
0: right. Exactly, so, exactly. It's uh, I got some so beautiful they pictures. off
1: you just got to find somewhere
0: I, and hang out. I, I got some beautiful pictures, and I do believe I, I posted them uh, on my own personal Facebook page. So I'll have to uh, revert them over to the uh, Bedford to Sullivan page and show some of you uh, my uh, foggy trip through Brooklyn that day on a bicycle. Um, I'll tell you, so my, because, mm-hmm, go
1: ahead. because I live here and I see the view every day and I see the bridge every day, got to see some of the funky weather that rolls in between Staten Island and Brooklyn on, the, on top of the water. And how sometimes it obscures half the bridge and oh mm-hmm. man, it's some beautiful stuff from from time to time, especially in the fog, yeah. especially in you know in the in, in the the low those low cloud days. Oh, sometimes it's spectacular.
0: I love this town, and I actually speaking of the bay, I think I can just see the the spire and the, the torch of um of the the Liberty of uh, the Statue of Liberty, and and that's a that's really something. I love this town. Um, and before before we wrap it up, I, wa- I wanted to come back to around this neighborhood. And there's a place called Prospect Park South that has some of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen. And um, you know, there's places called Marlborough Road, uh, Buckingham yep. Road, uh, yep. and it goes off of Beverly Road as well. Uh, those are some spectacular yep. houses. And I'll have to also so, some pictures I've I've taken of that, uh, uh Mike. But but what what are some of some of your favorite places, if you can remember at all in detail? Any any Oh no, oh, that that's definitely one
1: of them. Uh, you got you, you got those old Victorian houses over there by Ditmas and uh spectacular houses. No, you got it right. Uh one one of the areas is called I believe the Glenwood Malls. Uh, the Flatbush Malls. Uh, but you 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 nailed it over by Marlboro uh, around there in mm-hmm. Beverly yeah absolutely you got some gorgeous gorgeous houses over there. What are my some of my favorite places in Brooklyn? Oh man, yeah. you know I hate I hate I hate to be picky, man, because everyone <laughs> is special. I, I I like I like the diversity of all the na- neighborhoods, man. Mm-hmm. I mean. It makes it hard to pick one. But uh, it, it just depends on my mood. And, you know, there's always always somewhere to go and something to do to, to satisfy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, I respectfully pass on answering that question because I, I just don't <laughs> know. You know, uh, it all depends on what kind of head you're into. Mm-hmm. I mean, from... Uh, you take... The, the four corners, you know, you start, in, you start in Greenpoint, and, you know, I'll give you a spot that I hang out with. I hang out in there, in Williamsburg, uh, mm-hmm. in Red Hook, in Brooklyn Heights, in Carroll Gardens, in Cobbler Hill, all the way down, you know, and then you start making your way over through well, I mean, there's always somewhere. Just, Sometimes I decide what I'm going to do depending on where I am, you know. The neighborhood dictates a lot, wherever you are Mm -hmm. at the time. So, uh, no, this is a great place not to make plans, you know. Uh, Sometimes in the course of doing your chores, uh, you drive by a joint and you're like, I'm stopping, let's eat now. (laughs) Exactly. You you know, so, I mean, I'm I'm going to...
0: I'm going to buy a place in Brooklyn over the next year. I I, I promise you that. That's um, I'm going to this is going to be my my home because it's the only place I could ever live. Really. Yeah, man. And, a, like I said, it's a great place not to have to make
1: plans. As a matter of fact, let me see. Saturday night, me and the wife, we took a walk to a neighborhood restaurant. You know? And did mm-hmm. that. Uh what the hell did we do uh Sunday? We were in Sheepshead Bay Sunday. Huh. You
0: know what I mean? Now now if we let's so? go over to Pro, let's let's go over to Prospect Park and let's go counterclockwise. Uh Prospect Park encompasses in its in its uh, a perimeter. It it uh encompasses uh Park Slope, then Windsor Terrace, um then Um, Prospect Park South, Flatbush, and Leffert's Gardens, right? Windsor, uh, yeah, Leffert's Gardens, Crown Heights, Prospect Heights. Did I get, did I get all of them in?
1: Uh, Crown Heights. Does, does it touch Crown Heights?
0: Well, off, on the distance, you have the, um... Yeah, you have the so botanical uh, you have yeah. you have the you have the botanical gardens, which is basically yeah. at the edge of of Crown Heights. Uh, and that yeah. that you, you even though you have to that's a completely separate entrance of, of, of things. Um I'd still you know because that? of be, be, because of because of where Abbott's Field is and because of the, the down there uh you know, the Ocean Avenue and you know, that, entrance
1: that's the, that's the perfect that's the perfect segue, my friend. Uh, the, the boys at the MTA, you know that depot? Not necessarily a depot, but a maintenance yard right at the corner of Ocean Avenue, Empire, and Flatbush? hmm. Where you got Prospect Park on, on one corner and the Botanical Garden on the other corner?
0: Mm hmm. Yep.
1: Okay. The MTA lot in the intersection used to have a mural of the 1947 Brooklyn Dodger team holding up a pennant. With uh, the interior of Ebbets Field in the background. I have a picture you know, if of you're that. if you're
0: talking about if you're if you're talking about the same place that I think you're talking about, and it's not that big of a little depot, right? No,
1: it's not it's that like big. It's, of just of a a depot at all. it's just a little parking lot.
0: It's just a little parking lot.
1: It's right next yeah, to the yeah, train station. Yeah, I think station. that's
0: still there. It's, I think okay. that, that okay. is still there, right across the street from from uh, it's right next to the, the yeah the train station, right across the street from the Lendys.
1: Okay. Well, the update is that mural is no longer there. There's a new huh. mule to replace it. Uh, bigger and better. More details, more characters. Uh, it, it's better. A, do, a, it's dodger, one. The a dodger
0: one. A Dodger a one. A
1: Dodger one, yes. Abbott's <laughs> field, close-ups of the championship ring, close-ups of more players, uh, close-ups of the field, obviously. Uh, but they go on, you know, uh, with various... Uh, individual portraiture and, uh, you know, to make the bigger mural. Uh, But it's new, and that's what I wanted to say. It's new, so check it out if you're in the neighborhood. Uh, I will check it out. (laughs) It replaces the old 1947 Dodgers mural. And I'm glad that I documented it at the time, and uh, I'm happy Mm -hmm. to see the before and after.
0: Now if if also if you're at the corner of Bedford and Sullivan, please go ahead and check out the Burger King. It's delicious food. It's uh cheap and you can get it uh, a burger for a buck. And I, I I wanted to do that not only in the name of uh, uh potential comedy, but but also uh with the fact that the neighborhood has changed so much. I think the fact that I'm talking about going to get a delicious burger at Burger King at the corner of Bedford and Sullivan. It says so much about the difference between now and where we were at the corner of Bedford and Sullivan in 1947.
1: Well, chicken fries are back, man. So you know, <laughs> you, know you, you won't have to pull my arm much.
0: Yeah, right. Don't twist your arm. Exactly. Well, well, well. On that note, I will segue uh to the last word. Now we do this a lot on the Rising Apple podcast and like I said all you Mets fans out there should be listening to the Rising Apple podcast every normally Thursdays but sometimes whenever we uh, can get a show in we'll uh, we'll get that show in so watch out for that. Go uh, follow us on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog, and uh, just check out risingapple.com. Um but uh Mike uh you know we always get the last word in and I will uh, start with you.
1: Baseball uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for. I'm ready for a fun Mets season. But I also want to throw a word out there for the vintage baseball guys. Uh, New York City's local team is the New York Gotham Baseball Club. They play their home games on Roosevelt Island. You can take the ferry from uh, from downtown Brooklyn, right off of Atlantic Avenue, over there by the park and take it over to the islands and check out vintage baseball as it was played in the 1860s through 1880s. Uh, authentic rules, uh, uniforms, equipment, you name it, they got it mastered. Uh, if you want to see how baseball was played in its infancy, uh, let me tell you something, it's a beautiful game to behold. Uh, the Brooklyn Ball Club, or the team, it takes on the name of the Brooklyn Atlantic. They actually <laughs> play in Long Island. Uh, they play in mm. Long Island uh, in the Beth Page Historical Society field, and I will be hopefully attending their opening day. And I believe two weeks from this weekend, I got to reach out. Now, why couldn't
0: guys. they play in Brooklyn?
1: a uh, bunch of Long Island guys. You know, uh, I guess
0: <laughs> but but they're hey, called they're, called, know, they're I, called the I, Brooklyn I know. Atlantic. You know what? I'll, I'll
1: ask them the next time I I I, I see them. But no, you know, why, why don't we local, ask them? Yeah. We'll
0: have to ask them together, Mike.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're local outfits, so you know these guys are probably, in all likelihood, you know mostly Long Island guys. Uh, and in the selection of a, a team name, you know, trying to keep things authentic and picking one from the past, they chose Brooklyn Atlantics.
0: After all, no, they so, were.
1: They were the most successful team of the year, so uh yes you know. of course
0: Now, now that, that's that is my favorite uh Brooklyn team, you know, you had the Excelsiors, which is interesting that that randomly in city field they added a little homage to the Brooklyn Excelsiors with the excelsior yep. level. It's weird, but it's still I really appreciated <laughs> it I, I I really appreciated it, but like you know. I know that because of
1: my right. studies.
0: I mean, who else is going to know that? There's nothing in there right. that says the Brooklyn Excelsiors did. Yeah,
1: I, I appreciate the fact, but they just totally dropped the ball in execution. Mm-hmm. So don't mm-hmm. get of me started. They did. I mean, when, yeah, you, let's you're not yeah, do, it, yeah. do it right. But
0: I will, I will say, this.
1: nationally, baseball, baseball in and of itself is is a New York enterprise and. You know, they just did it a major injustice with the little, you know, pictographs that they put here and there throughout the stairwell. That's embarrassing. Well,
0: you know, we'll get to that on another podcast, but I I will finish with this Um, as a good segue. uh, Fred Wolpon talked to the team today. That is a huge connection to the original Dodgers of Brooklyn. Obviously, there's been some criticism regarding the way he went about with Citi Field and emphasizing the Dodgers, but – in positivity, and in terms of this podcast, Fred Wolfon is still there representing the legacy of the Brooklyn Dodgers through the Mets, and the Mets are representing the Brooklyn Dodgers legacy, and as the national, you know, as the uh, National League team here, and. With that, I will also go from, you were talking about the 1880s, and I will go to the full spectrum of the fact that, the, or the 1860s and even, but the spectrum of the fact that Brooklyn had so much to do with the history of baseball, bring it to the current history of baseball in Brooklyn, and that is my last word, the Brooklyn Cyclones. No matter how excited I am for the Mets, I will look very, very forward. Since I haven't been able to pay as much attention since the Wally Backman season on the Brooklyn Cyclones, I haven't been able to pay so much attention. I will this year, and I look forward to a whole new crop of Mets players that will be playing at uh, the um, MCU park.
1: Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?